Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week, going to guide you gently through another show with a wonderful guest this week. Really pleased to welcome Katie Boylan, EVP and CCO of Target to the show. Katie, welcome to the PR Week. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, good to have you calling in from Minneapolis and from our fancy podcast studio in Manhattan. I've got my co-host, Frank Washcook, executive editor of PR Week. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. Glad to be here, Steve. And behind the dials, we should give him a credit these days, Bill Fitzpatrick. How are you doing, Fitz? Pretty good, pretty good. You guys sound great. You're making us sound even better, which is good because we need all the help we can get. We're going to talk to Katie and then we'll chat about the big stories of the week. Main story in PR Week Towers is our power list which we, we launched this week, so we'll chat about that. And Katie's on the power list, so we'll talk about uh, Katie and her team and what she's been doing over there. We'll talk about the Uber files and lobbying scandal. Firehouse Strategies has secured some new investment. There's a new global comms lead at Twitter. And have you been seeing these amazing images from NASA, that new camera? Incredible stuff. But Katie, let's talk to you first. Target the eighth largest retailer in the U.S. And you've, uh, well, first of all, congrats on being on the power list. Um, a really interesting list this year, and we'll chat a bit more about that later. But you've been doing some work on your comms operating model over there. Why don't you talk us through that? Tell us what you've been up to and, and what was driving that. Certainly, I would be happy to. And thanks again for having me. Yes, we are in a moment of big investment and big change here at Target, and it's all really positive. And so the story actually begins last fall. And it was when myself and a group from my team really took a moment, having made it through the heart of the pandemic, we paused and said, okay, let's catch our breaths and, and let's recalibrate. And what we did in that moment was really take stock of, of course, Target's business and how we've grown and how we've changed in recent years We also took a look at the world around us and just, you know, like so many comms professionals said, wow, it is just increasingly complex and there are numerous pressures and that's not going to get any easier. And, you know, you put that together and it was really safe and very clear to say that Target needs communications now more than ever. And the demands for communications have only increased. And at the same time, we, you know, listened really hard to feedback from our team. And that was really, really important. And what we heard from them, and again, it was really coming off of those tough years in the pandemic, was feedback around how much they loved the work, but how much they were craving a return to clearer roles and a clearer, more consistent workflow, uh, And on top of that, just more capacity to do their best thinking and do their best work. And so when we put it together, uh, you know, we said, boy, we, we really need to get clear here. Think about the role of specialization within our communications capability. Think about what it would look like to have more specialized, well defined roles. 
And then we, we built from there accordingly. And so we're in the midst right now of uh, rolling out a new way of working across our team and a new structure. And it's a considerable investment that the company is making in us. The team will grow by about 20%. That's good to hear. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. And it's certainly the biggest investment that I've seen made in communications during my 12 years here. Yeah, I mean, this is great news in a way, isn't it? Because we do, we, one of the other power listers, Corey Dubrower at uh, Google, we profiled Corey this week, and he's doubled his team in the three years, I think it's three years since he's been, uh, been there. So it's really good to see enterprises valuing communications and recognizing the the contribution it can make. And and your point about reflecting after a couple of really tough years is a good one because in that time, C-suite CEOs, I think, recognized more than ever, didn't they, the value that you can add. And I'm guessing internal communication and employee engagement was a massive part of that. So was that one of the big drivers behind the restructure as well? Have you added more resources into that? Because I noticed Corey saying he spends more than 50% of his time on employee engagement, which is staggering really when you think about it, but, but actually not surprising. Yeah, I read the the profile piece on Corey and the work that he has underway. And I was smiling when I read it because that was actually one of the companies that we benchmarked along the way because we did a fair amount of benchmarking as we made our own decisions. And certainly internal communications here at Target has been, I would say, one of our points of strength for some time. And for us, the work there was really born out of the the data breach chapter and that was a tough tough chapter yeah. for target but we we took the opportunity to learn and and grow as a result and one of our really big learnings coming off of that chapter was how critically important it was to ensure that the narrative and the brand that we were sharing with the outside world and with outside stakeholders was 100% connected and reflected, reflective, excuse me, of the brand and the narrative that our team was experiencing. And so it was actually at that time that we really invested in internal communications and integrating our work between external and internal. And so we actually had what I would consider a running head start on that front as we made our way through the pandemic. And all of the work that we did in the years prior just paid dividends as we really prioritized team and team engagement as we moved through the tough times that came with the pandemic. How much of this was, because after those tough couple of years, I think everybody was a bit beaten down, weren't they, and a bit burnt out. And how much of that was reflected in in what you were doing and, and what were your team saying about that and in terms of things like, how are they working? Are they physically coming back into the office? Are they still doing a hybrid form of work? What's How's that all playing into uh, your restructure? Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think, you know, when you think back on those couple of years that we lived and worked in the heart of the pandemic, it is safe to say that we walked away with kind of a renewed, at least here at Target, a renewed sense of resilience and passion for who we are and what we do. And for us, a real gratitude and recognition for the role of the frontline team. And, you know, I mentioned the importance as we thought about the change that we needed to usher in here on communications, 
just the importance of pausing to listen to our own team. And that's exactly what we heard from them is, wow, we just climbed the mountain and we're so proud of the work that we do. We're so proud of the impact that we have. And yet we've been in triage mode, um, doing everything that we can to propel this company forward and play our role to the fullest extent. And, and yeah, you know, we, we're, we're tired. We want to keep going and we're ready to keep going, but you know, we, we need more, we want more. And so that is where we said, boy, we have an opportunity here to invest in some specialized capabilities And we have an opportunity here to make sure that we're really clearly defining roles so people know where to focus their time and attention, know how to work together most effectively. And we believe the two are really going to allow the full team, both together and on an individual basis, to, to run further. And I will tell you, you know, in these moments of change, we're human, so change is hard, but there is an underlying sense of energy and excitement that um, makes me really, really optimistic. Yeah, we had uh, Rosanna Fisk from Royal Caribbean on at our Women of Distinction event, and she was on a panel, and she was saying that sometimes team members just said, "Look, I need a, I need a break. You know, I need a, I need to take a half a day or a day just to reset, reconnect." And she was allowing her team to do that and and doing it herself as well. You know, and really sort of checking out of work when you know because I think. Everybody's been on it 24-7, haven't they? So um, it's, it's, it's definitely employee well-being, and not just in the comms team, but across the board as well. And especially those, those folks at the front end, your, your employees, you know, who, who essential workers, basically, and doing, doing all that great work and keeping, keeping, us, yeah. keeping us alive during the pandemic. Well, and that was another, uh, that was a podcast that I caught. Um, and I, you know, again, I was smiling listening to her because her comments really resonated with me. And that is that idea of wellness in the workplace is one that we've really tried to take seriously and and think long and hard about. And, you know, I will tell you that is part of what's happening here, both on the communications team and more broadly at Target. As we've thought about how to transform and kind of reset the team, making sure that our team members have space certainly to do their best work, but also to step away and have really full lives outside of Target has been part of the remit. And, you know, I will tell you, it comes after as a team, we really took a kind of a hard look at ourselves about four or six months into the pandemic and said, okay, this is hard. And this is, you know, sort of an always on task what are we going to do to sustain ourselves and make sure that we can manage our energy in all the right ways? And so we made some changes that 10 years ago, if you would have told me I could pull this off successfully, I don't know that I would have believed you, but, but it's worked. And some of those changes are we do urgent only emails on the weekends. <laughs> do not send an email on the weekend unless it is truly urgent. And boy, has that made a world of difference. And that comes after we've cleared out as a team Friday afternoons to catch up and close down your email so you can glide into the weekend instead of flying into the weekend. We have quiet hours in the morning and in the evenings. And again, urgent only emails. 
And so that really has gotten a distance in carving out space for people to just be people. Um, And I find that it's making a considerable difference across the team. And then you translate that out more broadly at Target. One of the initiatives that we introduced as a team um, is called Take Five. And it truly is an invitation for total Target to take a break and catch up. And we've now replicated the program a few times running We had a special iteration of the program in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, but it's really meant to give, again, the full target team optionality and spaces that they can find whatever is going to recharge and refill them. And again, we just, we get a round of applause every time we uh, develop and and execute that. Yeah. Katie, listen, everyone loves hearing about how you put your teams together in the comms sector. So having gone through this process, what would your top tip be to other CCOs or other companies looking to modernize their comms function, um, having gone through that process yourself? Yep. Um, I'm going to have to go with maybe two or three rather than just okay, one. <laughs> um, start with listening and learning. Uh, the time we took in the early months And we were at this for the better part of about, well, it'll be a year in September. Let's put it that way. So we started last September. We spent months just listening and learning, listening to our team, listening to our partners across the the company, uh, listening to our agency partners and our vendors who work alongside us and doing benchmarking and really tried to come at it as, as a consultant. We often would say, okay, let's put on our consultant hats for the day. And boy, that went the distance in ensuring that we were not moving from assumptions or perceptions, but actually stepping into this in a way where we were making informed choices and decisions. So that would be that would be the first. And then the second, and this could this could just be a me thing, it could just be a target thing, but I I think we so option often jump to structure roles and org charts. And we held hands in the beginning and said, we are not going to even start to draw an org chart until the very end. And we took our time to ensure that we did our absolute due diligence before we took that step. And again, it it paid dividends in making sure that we are making the right choices and decisions to build the kind of capability and the kind of team that will be relevant and impactful today and in the future. And the sustainability of our choices in the model is really important to me. And by holding on that, uh, you know, just that desire to go to people and org, I think we got there. Time will tell, but I really think we got there. Great advice. And uh, just to finish, obviously, retail stocks have taken a bit of a battering over the last six months and Target's not been immune to that. Where do you think we're at now? Do you think we can see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel? We've obviously got uh, economic uncertainty, a bit of inflation, but we have seen some slightly more positive signs in recent days. How are you feeling over at Target? Is it time to buy retail stocks? (laughs) <laughs> oh, Steve, if I had a crystal ball, I would be a very, very wealthy woman. Uh, unfortunately, I do not have one in my back pocket. So here's what I would say. 
for us at Target, we are taking this moment to get laser focused as we've been for many years now on our guest, our team, our strategy, and always making sure that we are just laser focused on, as we put all those pieces together, delivering on our purpose. And so we firmly believe in this moment and any moment that comes our way, if we are disciplined and focused in that regard, uh, good things will come. Yep. And in good times or bad, you need great comms counsel. So uh, thanks for telling us all about the new structure. Really interesting. And uh, we'll get your input on some of the new stories. Frank, over to you. We launched the Power List 2022 version this week and got a lot of interesting feedback, didn't we? Loads of traffic. Quite an interesting uh, list, um, 2022. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, congrats, uh, on being on the list, Katie. It's a fascinating list. It is every year. And, uh, we have a new face at the top. It's Dan Bartlett, who is, you know, it's really well known throughout the industry as, uh, the head of comms, uh, and corporate affairs at Walmart. One thing that I think is interesting about this, and, and you see this pop up in a few different profiles is that for all of the flack Twitter gets about being a toxic environment, sometimes With a lot of these executives, you can really see the topics that they are interested in via their Twitter accounts. Uh, And Dan is no exception to that. And you see him uh, talk about the invasion of Ukraine, the passing of the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, the Crown Act, the DACA immigration policy, supporting refugees and all these different things. And you see that with other folks on the list as well, chiming in about topics that not just affect the companies that they work for, but that they're interested in more broadly. So that was one takeaway I had from this year's list. Another one was you could tell the importance of the healthcare sector in communications this year, reflected by so many different folks on the list who work in that sector or touch that sector somehow, whether that could be uh, number three, Catherine Metcalf of CVS. In fact, we have two people from CVS on the we list. We do. That's a, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, number four from United Healthcare Group. And then you have... Damon Jones from Procter & Gamble, who who you might not put in the, the healthcare proper area, but a lot of P&G's products are healthcare or healcare related. Uh, and on down the list. Aaron, oh, Richard Edelman, 30% of his yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Rattelad from Walgreen, yeah. uh, Walgreens Boots Alliance, and and on down the list. And I think you it's really showing how important this sector is uh, at this point in the pandemic. Yeah, we really doubled down this year on Fortune 100. It's We've been talking a lot about how comms has got a much higher profile. It's much more valued and especially at top companies. So we really went for the the, the communicators in the, in, in the big companies. And it's a really great list. It's a very diverse list as well, actually. It could, could be more diverse always, but actually it's pretty diverse. And you're right about Dan and number one reflecting that. I'm sure Katie's delighted about that. But anyway, um, Katie, what did you think of the list in general? Anything that struck you? It's good to see retail being rewarded anyway, isn't it? It certainly is. And I was pleased to see Dan at the top because I often think about my job and the challenges. Uh, that I face, uh, you know, with Target as the number eight retailer. And, you know, certainly Walmart size and scale is is markedly different when you think about the global nature of their business. And so I I love when I get to intersect with Dan and learn from Dan. And so think so, so highly of him. And I think your your commentary on healthcare was important. And it's no surprise and certainly was Happy to see our partner CVS represented on, on the list this year. Yeah, do you? you- so we're, we're just gone going through Prime Day. 
is that something as that, that you see as an opportunity and that actually all boats can rise because it actually gets people shopping and and you can sort of cash in on that even though it's obviously aimed at Amazon rather than uh, Target. Yeah, we you know we are in the midst of our Target deal days and um, you know feeling really good about what that offers consumers broadly. We take a really broad approach so you can find lots of different deals across all of the different um, areas of our business. And we consistently see people respond really, really favorably. Uh, and so it's been it's been a good play for us. Yeah. And Frank, we, we mentioned there's two people from CVS because it's a bit of the Sports, sports Illustrated uh, effect, isn't it? But someone's got a new job already. And the, the, the list was only out yesterday. Yannick Griffin-Woodall. Yeah, that's right. Um, so double for CVS this year. She had been at the Home Depot leading brand communications uh, and playing a role in messaging strategy, working on things from ESG, product and technology, comms, and community affairs. One thing that we highlighted in the report is how the Home Depot donated millions of dollars to social justice issues and expanded employee benefits during the pandemic, uh, and she played a role in that as well. So um, while we highlighted a lot of her work at the Home Depot, she is now over at CVS Health. Yeah, and Katie, we I think when I first started doing this job, you know, the power list was still quite male, still quite white. It's good to see the gender mix very very level now. Um, have you seen that, you know, PR has always been a, a female dominated industry, but not, not necessarily at the most senior levels, but we seem to be making some progress on that front. Yeah. I mean, I, I did note that when I looked at all of our pictures staring out at me on the, the screen and was also struck by that. And I think it's, it's progress and there's more more to be done. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, check it out. It's at PRWeek.com. We've got the the list. We've got a, a newsmaker feature with Corey Dubrower and then a little bit of commentary about how we chose it. And uh, it's always – I mean, these, are, these lists are, are – are serious, but they're also a bit of fun, and there's always a load of talking points. And I'm sure some people uh, are not happy they're not on it. Others uh, would like to be higher, but uh, it gives us something to talk about. And it really, overall, just reflects an industry that's on the up and that is really going places and being respected. But it's got to deliver. Uh, that, that's what comes with that extra responsibility. Frank, let's talk about this Uber story that's uh, kind of been breaking more of more of a European focus story. But talk us through it. It is one of the latest um, types of these mass leak stories uh, that has shown up largely in The Guardian and then with a consortium of investigative journalists. I think the biggest angles that our audience is interested in is the whistleblower, in this case is actually the former chief lobbyist for Europe, the Middle East, and Africa at Uber, uh, Mark McGann. And I think a lot of people would not expect somebody in that role to be uh, a whistleblower in a case like this. But he, he's expressed regret about being a part of a group of people, and these are his words, uh, that massage the facts to earn the trust of drivers, of consumers, and the political elites. A lot of interesting points here. I think the thing that jumps out the most as a mainstream media story is that the people running Uber at the time, and we should note this is the prior executive regime there, uh, seemed to be okay with violence at some protests, with one actually saying violence guarantees success in terms of getting its point across to the public and, and making some inroads in terms of their lobbying and their public affairs. A lot of things here that... Um, I think people are going to look at 
as how does this company continue to work its way back from this? Because there there is definitely a trust deficit that Uber has been trying to work its way out of since its new CEO took over in 2018. Uh, so um, another impact of this story is, and this is across the pond in Europe, the CIPR is calling for more lobbying legislation and lobbying reform because a number of members, um, government ministers in the UK, took meetings with people lobbying on behalf of Uber but did not report them or did not register them. So it's another call for reform uh, over there as well. So a lot of different impacts coming out of this story uh, that was largely reported by The Guardian but also uh, a consortium of investigative journalists. Katie, you mentioned your data chapter at Target and every communicator through their career goes through moments of crisis or difficult moments and some of them actually like it and I think that's they get a, they kind of enjoy it. What did you learn from your crisis moments and do you enjoy it? Can you enjoy something like that or is it actually, well, let's just deal with this and get it done and move on? <laughs> um, I enjoy it. I, you I have really to do. to a certain extent, um, don't you? So, I think you yeah. do if you're going to be successful in these kinds of roles over the long term. Uh, now, I want to I want to be clear that I don't enjoy no. when you see companies or leaders in crisis. Uh, none of us would ask for that or wish for that, and there are really, really meaningful implications. But the role that communications and communications leaders can play in those moments as as we help so actively companies find their way forward, it is is so valuable. And I think that is where I find um, such fulfillment in in those spaces where it's just so clear the impact that communications is having. Yeah, that's the time when marketing sort of disappears, isn't it, and throws the ball directly back to the comms team. And it's like, uh, off you go with it. But uh, you're right, it's it, it's a, such a great skill and it's, it's going to be required in all organizations at some point. And that's when comms really steps up as it, as it does in lots of other places as well, like purpose, employee engagement, etc. So yeah, Frank firehouse strategy is an interesting shop and they've uh, secured some investment. Yes, they have. And we'll be looking to see what they're going to do with it. Uh, so firehouse strategies is a DC based public affairs firm. They have secured a majority investment from three different financial institutions, Semper, Semper partners, Aldine capital and Wintrust bank. Um, now, the two co-founders of the firm, Alex Conant and Terry Sullivan, uh, and Alex, by the way, is going to be an upcoming guest on the podcast, uh, are going to remain the majority shareholders of the firm, but they are looking to build out, both expanding to different markets, acquire firms, and really build out the footprint more nationally. Katie, what's your sort of resource in D.C., and how important is it to have agency help when you're dealing with that part of the comms operation, government relations, and public affairs? Yeah, um, we have long at Target held a roster of agencies and resources that's really, really varied um, because given the scale and the scope and the complexity of our business, we, we have always felt like the diversity within our roster serves us very, very well. Um, and, and I feel that and I find that on, gosh, almost a weekly basis. And so we do have a number of partners and, and we'll continue to have a diversified roster. I think it's really, really important and always encourage people and peers to think that way. Yeah, for sure. Frank, a new global comms lead at Twitter, 
And there's been a few people taking that role over the past few years, but uh, who's got the job now? Lots of turnover there. You can tell this is a really tough job, and maybe it's going to get a lot tougher over the next couple months uh, as Twitter is about to be in a legal battle uh, with Elon Musk. So... um, Twitter battle as well. Yeah, lots of, well, while he's fighting with Trump too. So a lot going on there, a lot of different things happening. So um, their CMO, Leslie Berland, had been handling the communications responsibilities as well as marketing. And if you think about everything going on with Twitter, that's such a big job. Uh, But Rebecca Hahn is going to be their new VP of global communications. She comes from the electric vehicle company Bird. Uh, this, this is a really tough job and you could tell with the, the revolving door aspect of this role, uh, with Brandon Borman exiting the company in June, 2021, uh, he was replaced with Kelly Sims. She left four months later, uh, and now it's over to Rebecca. So this is, uh, this is a real, real into the frying pan role with everything going on at Twitter, uh, a really, really tough job. So wishing her the best of luck in the role. Yeah, it is a unique role for sure. And, uh, yeah, we wish her well with that. And let's finish with these amazing images. I don't know if this is a comm story. I just thought it was a cool story. But NASA, with this new um, telescope and camera, has got some incredible images, hasn't it, from outer space? It definitely is a uh, comm story, I think, in that they rolled it out. And, and let's be honest, President Biden needs some good news. Uh, he's, yep. he's not doing so great in the approval ratings. So uh, it was an opportunity for him to also tie himself to the work that NASA has done through the James Webb Space Telescope. And you, the thing that really brought it home to me is you see these gifts of what view you could get through the Hubble telescope that went out years ago versus what you can get through the Webb telescope uh, as it compiles its first images uh, from outer space. And it's it's really mind-blowing stuff. I mean, it's really it just, just – it's tough to put it into words, honestly. Some of the stuff is so beautiful. Yeah, it does remind us, Katie, how we're, we're all really just a speck on this universe, aren't we? And uh, I don't know what you thought of those images, but it certainly puts everything in perspective as well. Oh my gosh, yes. Perspective is the word that actually comes to mind. Having just spent the last week way up in northern Wisconsin, lots of long nights at the end of a dock staring up at the stars, yeah. these images really, they really uh, hit home. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, you think about the telescope being 25 years in the making. I think I read that. It's like, wow, talk about patience and persistence and the, the importance of those those qualities. Yeah. And some brilliant images coming back from it. And you're right, Frank, the president did uh, jump on that bandwagon to get a bit of positive um, uh, publicity. Uh, That's all we got time for this week. Katie, thanks so much for joining us. Really good to chat to you and continued success with your new structure. And congrats again on being part of the Power List. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed being here. Great to have you on board. And Frank, always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Steve. Thank you, Fitz. And look out for our PR Week Changemakers initiative. Actually, should should have mentioned Katie is the chair of jury for our Purpose Awards. So um, we're going to be um, celebrating those on the uh, 11th of October in Chicago during PR Decoded, which is from the 11th and 12th. Sorry, Katie, I should have given you a chance to opine on that. Just to tell us what you're looking to see from the Purpose Awards this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm so looking forward to that role and coming together in October. I mean, certainly when I think about our journey here at Target, purpose has been front and center for years and years. And we work really hard to make sure it is not just words on a wall, um, as so many like to say, but really, truly embedded in who we are, how we operate, 
and how we make our strategic decisions. And so as I think about this moment, I will be really looking forward to seeing how others are thinking about this, how others are putting purpose into practice and, and learning and recognizing peers and, and other companies accordingly. Yeah, I was pleased to see that you put that $2 billion investment in black-owned businesses, which is fantastic and really important. And that is, like you say, going from writing on a wall into real actions. And that's mm-hmm. uh, that's what PR Week Changemakers is about. We're doing that in partnership with Google. It's to honor the agencies, PR firms who are really walking the walk, not just talking the talk. So that will also be uh, celebrated at, at uh, PR Decoded and the process is open. If you're an agency, please register your interest by the end of next week. The uh, link is on prweek.com and you can find that in our breakfast briefing and, and through all our channels on our socials. If you're a client who's interested in being part of the Changemakers Advisory Council, ping me an email and we will uh, put you up for consideration. But that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.